I'm walking down the path in my garden and I have a suggestion for you on how you could help with global warming. With a large lawn, I found a simple way of making a big difference. I sold my ride-on mower and bought a top-of-the-range Cress robotic lawnmower. It runs off rechargeable batteries and uses cutting-edge technology to mow and maintain a lawn this size. The petrol mower has gone, and with it, the emissions. I actually don't know why I didn't sell the ride-on sooner. With the Cress robotic lawnmower, the lawn is actually looking better. The tiny grass cuttings fall into the grass roots, helping to fertilize the grass. And the family doesn't have to put up with the noise and fumes from the ride-on. And I've freed up more of my time to spend with them and in the garden. It's an easy step. And you could also be making that change today. Ask for Cress in your local garden machinery dealer. Or visit cress.com. Hello and welcome back to the RHS Gardening Podcast. Each fortnight we bring you a mixture of features and discussions exploring every aspect of gardening. Plant care, pest control, container ideas, growing your own fruit and vegetables, plus expert seasonal advice on what you should be doing in your garden right now. I'm Jenny Bowden, one of the team of horticultural advisors here at RHS Garden Wisley in Surrey. Coming up in this edition... Flowers, leaves and berries to bring stunning autumn colour to your plot. We hear suggestions from expert plants people at the RHS London Shades of Autumn show. RHS experts answer your gardening questions. And, as always, we'll have the latest news on RHS events across our four gardens. But first, let's head outside to join the garden team to find out what's happening in RHS Garden Wisley right now. Okay, so it's Matthew Pottage, garden manager at RHS Garden Wisley. One of the things we're cracking on with now in the garden, we're kind of in that, that changeover stage, winters are almost upon us, we're feeling autumnal and the summer bedding is, is behind us. And we're looking at in the container garden here, the winter interest pots. And it's something you can be getting on with at home now, putting together little pots for by your front door or on your back patio, just to bring you a bit of interest over the winter and into the spring. And what we're doing here, first of all, we've got a bulb layer, which is you can use crocus, narcissus, galanthus, or snowdrops and covering that with compost and actually planting over the top of those for those bulbs to grow through and flower in the spring. And then on the top, you can use anything from bellies to wallflowers to polyanthus to primulas. And these will have a little bit of flower colour over the winter months and then they will really flower in the spring. And then coupled together with just a few evergreens, you want a bit of structure in that pot. So you could go anything from evergreen ferns to grasses to ivies, even to some dwarf conifers. And they will just bring you a bit more height and a bit more interest to look at through those dark winter months. Hi, my name's Sam Gallivan and I'm the team leader of the propagation department at Wisley. And this time of year is a good time for you to start thinking about hardwood cuttings from your gardens. Mainly from um, things like cornus, wygela, roses, um, some fruit trees. Um, so it's a good idea to start going out and looking for the material. You normally collect once the material has lost its leaves, if it's a dormant variety. And you would collect long stems off the plants normally about pencil thickness when you get them back to your greenhouse you can then cut them into 
pieces normally around the length of your secateurs. If you have your secateurs, if you measure the cutting along the length of that. You can, if you like, um, create a bed in your plot that you have in your back garden. You can dig uh, a small trench and backfill that with sand and lay the cuttings or put the cuttings into there um, up to about an inch above the, the top of the cutting. Or if you don't have that sort of facility, you can use the, the long two-litre containers, the ones that you might buy roses in. They're, they're, they're a very long pot and you can use those uh, to strike them in. And again, it means you can get them quite deep. And if you do it like that, then you can put them in a protected part of your garden or a cold frame, and you can put them out there for the winter. You can use rooting hormone if you have it, but it's not necessary. And these cuttings will stay dormant through the whole of the winter. And once you start to see the shoots forming in spring, they will then form the roots secondly. They won't do it first away. They'll do the shoots first, roots second. Um, and then you should have some new plants for the following spring. Hi, I'm Lee Hunt. I'm the Principal Horticultural Advisor here at Wisley Gardens. Now is really the time to make the most of those autumn shades in the borders. And it's ready to bring them inside and enjoy them at close proximity. The weather at this time of year is often wet and damp. So it's easy to miss them. And with the days being shorter as well, you might not be outside as much. So bring them indoors. Enjoy them there in your living room. There's all sorts of things that are really great. But uh, look for the berries. They're really fantastic at the moment because they're jewel-like in their colours. I'm thinking about things like calicarpa with those wonderful purple berries and those fruits from things like the uh, crab apples or malus as we call them. There's things like red sentinel with those wonderful sheen of the glossy red berries that look so edible. And the other one as well with golden hornets, so the yellow version of the same thing. You want some good sprigs of those because often they, they dangle nicely, the fruits from the branch. So give the, the length so that you've got room to actually allow them to extend outside. What's often below, you'll need some foliage to, to give it a bit of backing. Evergreen stuff is great at this time of year. It's really tempting to choose things that are autumn colour, but of course the leaves drop off really quickly. So instead, look for things that are going to provide a good backing, like um, your eucalyptus, which has those frosty colours naturally in the, the foliage. And then you could supplement it with uh, foliage that's glycerined as well. So this is stuff that you'll find in the, the florist, but will last a long time. You can even save for later in Christmas as well. Uh, you can add some flowers if you've got them. I'm thinking as well for things like look amongst your roses because if the weather hasn't been too bad, lots of roses will still keep flowering. The other thing is hydrangeas. This time of year, they've often gone those pinky dark red colours. And if you get them now before the really harsh weather comes, they will look fantastic mixed in with all these autumn colours. So it's fine what you've got, but then make the most of them and enjoy it really in a vase in your house. Doesn't, you don't have to be a competent flower arranger. Just make sure that they're in blocks to make it simple or you can sort of arrange them more artistically if you've got the skill. You can find more gardening tips and advice on the RHS website, rhs.org.uk forward slash gardening. Here you can also find video guides to key jobs in the garden. 
I'm Jenny Bowden and you're listening to the RHS Gardening Podcast. A little reminder that there's just one day left to give us your feedback on our podcasts. We've created a short gardening podcast survey, which you can find at rhs.org.uk forward slash podcast survey. Answer it by the 1st of November 2013 and you could win £50 worth of RHS gardening books. Would you like more seasonal advice? More features about flowers? Or perhaps more on fruit and veg? Please let us know. We're eager to know what you think. Now, if you're a regular listener to the RHS Gardening Podcast, you'll already know that our experts from the advisory team here at RHS Garden Wisley join us regularly to answer your gardening questions. The RHS Advisory Service is free for all RHS members, and if you have any questions you'd like to hear answered on the podcast, you can email them to us at podcast at rhs.org.uk. This week, the team were answering questions by email and in person from the visitors to the RHS Shades of Autumn show, which was held in London last week. Tackling the questions were Tony Dickerson and Helen Bostock. I'm Brenda Jarrett, from, live near Bath. I have a very elderly angel trumpet or Brugmansia plant. Uh, it's now five feet high on a patio, take it in a garden room in winter, hasn't flowered for three years, what can I do to encourage it to flower? Right, now I guess at that size you don't, you or you cannot repot it? No, no. what I do in the winter is I cut it down, cut it back yes. But what I do when you bring it in next time, don't cut it too hard back, perhaps reduce it by 50% yeah. and then next spring once it starts showing some signs of growth, cut it back harder Right, and I'd top dress the container, scrape out some of the old compost, add some new, and if you get some of these controlled release fertilizer granules, osmocote, yes, exactly, fine. and mix that in, it'll tell you on the package that you apply so many grams for to so many liters of compost. So a big pot like that might be 25 liters or whatever. The other thing I would do is from spring through to late summer, every fortnight. I'd be applying a feed, liquid feed, right, of a potassium. Now, that's a tomato feed, okay? And um, with that, uh, and also some sunny weather, you should hopefully get it reflowering again. And hopefully this time next year I'll be back here showing you a photograph on my camera. I think you, I think you will be, yes, okay. indeed. Thank okay. you. Thank you. So we've had a question in from Lisa in Brighton who says, is there anything I can plant now to add a grow-your-own-touch to our Christmas table decorations or even our dinner plates? I've left it very late, I know, and I'll need to plan next year a bit more ahead. So, Lisa, let's have a think. Well... Now's a fantastic time and year for harvesting your Bramley apples. And most gardens have a Bramley tree at the bottom of the garden somewhere. These will store, um, keep them nice and cool, perhaps in a shed or a garage. But never mind this cranberry sauce for your dinner table at Christmas. I think stick with good old-fashioned apple sauce and it's much more traditional. Or perhaps it's not too late for you to be looking around for buying what we call a Christmas rose. Now this isn't a real rose, but this is a form of hellebore or helleborus niger these are really beautiful and as their name suggests they flower at christmas time so plant that now or keep it in a pot and then when the flowers come you could use these floating in bowls in the middle of your christmas dinner table 
now is also a good time if you can find a dry day to start collecting your pine cones for Christmas these are fantastic decorations you can spray them with a bit of silver or um, pop them into your Christmas wreaths or simply sit them in small clusters on the table and they'll look really festive right so we've just had an email in from Francis Nelson of Buckinghamshire and Francis says purple veg I've heard that darker red vegetables like carrots and beans are higher in vitamins is this true if so what are some good purple crops that we could try and we live in Barnsley right Francis well First of all, you're absolutely spot on. Um, generally speaking, vegetables and fruit um, that have some of the deep reds or purples in them usually have got them because they've got higher what we call anthocyanins in. And these, as we found from various sort of studies into nutritional value, are really good for humans. It helps us to stave off things like colds and just generally give us a healthy lifestyle. So in balance with other vegetables, yeah, get as many red ones or purple ones in as you can. So if you want to have a go at trying some, well, for the fruit garden, blueberries, blackberries, black currants, these are all what we might call our superfoods. Um, get as many of those in as you can. Um, in terms of the veg garden, let's have a think. Well, yes, there are some peculiar purple carrots um, which can be grown. Um, so try those alongside your normal um, orange ones. Um, purple beans, yeah, purple potted ones, those are good. Don't be too disappointed though because you might find that when you cook some of these, the purple colouring fades, but you're still getting all the goodness from it. And of course, a really fun one to grow, perhaps for next year, are some of the purple varieties of potatoes. And here some of the Scottish heritage varieties are worth trying. And it's not just purple skinned, you'll be amazed when you cut through into the heart of the potato, it's purple through and through. My name's Jean Jagger and I live in North London and the plant I've been asking about is from Hampshire and I've been asking if it could be identified, please. <laughs> well, th th this plant originates from a, a bit further afield than Hampshire. It's actually a North American plant. Uh, what we're looking at are some what appear to be very succulent berries on a, a large seed head. Uh, with large green leaves. Um, this plant is something called Phytolacca americana. Uh, its common name in America, at least, is pokeberry. And despite the appearance of the berries, which look almost uh, blackberry-like, you do need to be very careful. It's a very ornamental plant, but those berries are highly poisonous. Uh, but other than that, it's a great plant to have in the garden. Sometimes it just emerges because birds carry the seeds around. They drop them. Uh, but as I say, although very poisonous fruit, other than that, a very good garden plant. Is, is it growing, does it grow vertically, with, like an arum, or is it hanging off a shrub? It, it can, I believe in the wild, in North America, they can grow to anything like 12 feet in height. I've never seen them that large in this country. Normally, they're a herbaceous plant, probably you know, three or four feet high, and the fruit, because it's quite heavy, hangs down beneath uh, the, the actual leaves. But it's a very ornamental plant, and um, it's one of those that, even if it arises by chance in the garden, I think is well worth its place. Um, apparently, he found it, as a grandson, he found it in playing fields, in um, a garden bed, in a uh, playing field, near playing fields. Um, lots of people about maybe picking them. <laughs> Well, as I say, I, I don't think anyone would plant it there, but it may be birds drop the seed. Um, it's not a plant that one would have you know, in play areas or those sort of areas where there may be children who might 
unsuspectingly sort of take the fruit because I say the fruit is poisonous and uh, I must admit a plant in that sort of position would be best removed really because there is certainly a possible danger of poisoning. Thank you. Thank you very much. Well, we we have an email here from uh, Mrs. Barbara Mungford. And she says, I've recently seen lots of unusual squash and pumpkins in my local greengrocers. My grandchildren love pumpkins. I'd like to grow some unusual varieties that look and taste great. Can you recommend some types to try and how can I get the biggest fruit? Well, uh, in greengrocers, you'll see quite a lot of squash and pumpkins at this time of year. A lot of them are for hollowing out for Halloween and such like. And they're not always the best tasting. Um, Personally, if I was looking for some good squash, I'd concentrate mainly on one called Crown Prince. It's a blue-grey one, uh, grows fruit to about a couple of kilos, so a good size to feed a family. Keeps very well, very sweet flesh, and in my opinion, the best. A lot of people will see butternut squash in the supermarkets, and uh, again, it's a very good one, but it needs exceptionally good summers to really ripen up and do well. So I always prefer Crown Prince, which seems to be reliable despite the weather. Those are quite large fruit. At the other extreme, one's about the size of a a small football or smaller. Uh, It's one called Winter Festival and another called Harlequin. They're multicoloured, they look very attractive, Uh, They're great for hollowing out and you can then uh, use them for soup containers once you've made your squash uh, or pumpkin soup. In terms of um, getting big fruit, well that's simply a matter of planting them in very good soil, lots of manure dug in and compost, watering well, they must never dry out and also if you want uh, for sort of show bench type uh, pumpkins and squash you might also liquid feed but it's all about having really good fertile soil keeping the plants really well watered. So, Edward Pearson of Tamworth, you've written in to ask us, do I have to cut down my autumn fruiting raspberries now they have finished fruiting? Well, Edward, the answer to that is no, not just yet. It's not like summer raspberries where you do cut them down immediately after they finish. With autumn, give them a break. Um, You don't want them to produce any secondary growth, so leave them right through the winter until February, then cut them to within a few inches of the base. Job done. We have another email here from uh, Pete Noble, who lives in Beeston in Nottinghamshire. And he says he'd like to grow blue hydrangeas. My last one started blue and then turned pink. How can I get them to keep their colour? Well, uh, this is all down to the the chemistry of your soil. And uh, you'll get blue flowering hydrangeas where the soil is acidic. But where you've got a reasonable amount of lime in the soil, where the soil is alkaline, hydrangeas will naturally, these mophead hydrangeas, will naturally turn pink. Now, in the soil, there's not really too much you can do about that. You can buy a hydrangea bluing agent, which you'll get from garden centres. But if you're applying that to the soil around your hydrangeas, it will become quite pricey. So if you're set on blue hydrangeas, which are very impressive, and your soil's alkaline, you'll really need to grow them in pots, and you need an ericaceous or acidic compost, and then occasionally using the bluing agent, which you just dissolve in water and water on. Uh, and that way you'll find that uh, they'll remain blue but if your soil's alkaline then I'm afraid blue hydrangeas are really out of the question It's Elizabeth Kemp Kemp from Tunbridge Um, I've got a black Hamburg grape that is growing in a a cool greenhouse and they're being very slow to ripen this year and the fruit is actually dropping and I'm wondering what I should do to if there's anything I can do to ripen them 
by cutting them or what would you recommend? Yeah, a, a, a lot of the black grapes do need a very long growing season. Of course, this year uh, we had a very cold, wet spring that then turned into a very cold, wet start to the summer. And it was only really towards the middle of July and then into August that we really started to get warm weather. So we could be looking simply at the fact that uh, black grapes want a long growing season and this year low light levels and cold early on may have simply meant that development's been slow. The other thing just to be cautious about, um, grapes are obviously in a glass house, uh, they have extensive roots, they need plenty of watering and the fruit when it's developing and swelling again uh, needs plenty of water so um, if there's a possibility the soil could have dried out then once a week a thorough watering is important during the summer. This time of year it's probably difficult to um, rectify the situation because the fruit will be probably at about the largest size that it's going to get to and really yes all you want is some warm sunny weather now um, either they're going to ripen or they're not but I say I suspect this problem is more to do with conditions earlier in the season because I guess it's normally ripened okay in the past does it? Oh it always has yes. yes yeah. uh, I think then you're just looking at the fact that say the growing season this year was just curtailed by that very slow start. Thank you very much for your advice thank you. Tony Dickerson and Helen Bostock from the RHS advisory team. Remember, RHS members can contact the team by phone, email or letter for free help with any gardening queries. If you'd like details on how you can become a member of the RHS, just go to rhs.org.uk forward slash join. One of the most common questions RHS advisors are asked at this time of year is how can I increase the interest and colours of my garden during October and November? To get some suggestions for flowers, foliage and berries to bring colour to your patch, we spoke to some of the expert plants people from nurseries exhibiting at the RHS London Shades of Autumn show in Vincent Square. Yeah, I'm Chris Smith from Pennard Plants. OK, I mean, I think looking from a productive point of view and, and thinking about things that you can eat, I think, firstly, if we start with trees, people need to look at trees they plant in the garden. And there's an awful lot of really good fruiting trees that are colourful. So, I mean, if we're looking around, crab apples, you know, very, very neglected now. People let them drop on the ground, they don't use them. You can make crab apple jelly, you can do various other things with them. And they make a lovely small tree, beautiful blossom in the spring, lovely colourful yellow red fruits this time of the year. Quince is exactly the same, an amazing plant from the point of view of the blossom in the spring. But again, now you've got these beautiful pear shaped quinces, really, really fragrant, scent the, absolutely sensitive aroma in the garden. You can smell it from miles and you can use them too. So I think that's uh, when you're looking at trees, that's really worthwhile looking at some of the fruiting trees. Colour in the vegetable garden as well. Well, you know, there's a lot of coloured foliage out there. Um, we've got uh, things like perilla, which is a Japanese salad crop, red and green leaves, been going on for months now. You can eat the leaves, you can uh, use the actual foliage to colour vegetables as well. And they've got a pink flower just starting, and they look really attractive now, and they go on till the frosts as well. Food-wise, well, you know, chilies peppers all the lovely colors of autumn that you get and the seasonality of the plants as well have things that you can really enjoy for the seasonal point of view rather than just going out and buying runner beans at christmas and asparagus in any time of the year 
Hi, my name's Rob Evans. I'm a proprietor of Pheasant Acre Plants and we're from Bridgend in South Wales. Uh, we grow gladiolis and dahlias uh, for summer flowering and then during the winter time we grow tulips and various spring bulbs. On display today we have a wide range of gladiolis but we've arranged them for a more of an autumn theme uh, with dark oak foliage so that they can see the autumn colours. Uh, we've got a wide range of dahlias. I think we've got about 45 different varieties on display, uh, ranging from pinks, whites, purples, uh, through to oranges and even to a virtually black dahlia called blackjack. Some of the favourites that we grow for autumn colour, some of the orange gladiolis such as live oak, uh, lucifer, which by the name being red and bright orange, Planting gladiolis late on in the season, and people realize, don't realise this, that if they plant them up until the beginning of June, they'll flower into end of September and October. Because garden centres have always had the bulbs for sale January, February, people have always thought they've got to be planted early. We start planting outdoors from the first week of April, and we plant until the last week of June. So the ones that we are planting at the end of June... As long as we get a nice dry summer and the weather in the autumn is still normally mild, they will flower out of doors into the end of, in end of October, early November. With the gladiolis, a lot of people, they plant them very shallow. Now, we get people come along and they say that the wind blows them over. Plant your gladioli combs. Don't be afraid to plant them six inches deep because they will come up. But more importantly, always plant sharp sand underneath the corns when planting. And with the dahlias, don't be afraid to keep deadheading the dahlias right the way through the growing season. Dahlias start flowering the end of June, early July, but they will go on right the way through till the end of September, October, as long as you deadhead and feed. Regular feeding, once every 10 days with a high potash feed, such as maxi crop or tomorite will give you flowers like you can see here now until the end of September, October. My name is Barry Clark. I'm the botanist for the Sahara Tilia Gardens in Romsey. Oh, there are masses of things that you can use for autumn colour I think people probably don't realise. Uh, lots of, uh, there are some flower, but all, this season's sort of more about berries really. So we've got lots of fruiting plants. We've got some really interesting buried plants in the gardens at the moment. So cotoniasters, which are sort of really known for their whitish flowers in the summertime, spring, summertime. But at this time of year, you've got red buried ones. You've got ones which have hints of pink in them that are white, maybe. You've got uh, very red berries. You've got purple berries. And some have clusters that are so tight, you know, on, along a stem they just look fantastic especially if they're weeping stems a lot of them have weeping stems on these cotoniasters I know they're seen a little bit as car park plants but just, they really are an autumn glory they really are you've got berberus there's a lot of berberus um, the barberry which is uh, used again for its spring flower but some of them have fantastic autumn fruits as well we've got berberus georgii for example which has masses of red berries you can see they're hanging from the racemes of these succulent berries and they last a long time that's the amazing thing about them you know they can last for months and months into the winter sometimes as well uh, some of the deciduous ones have good berries as well this pruinosa is sort of a semi-evergreen this with this bright white berries they're actually bluey sort of purpley color but they're covered with a white bloom which makes them look white but against dark other dark plants in the background look absolutely fabulous
Uh, this one always stands out here. Um, this is Calicarpa. Uh, Calicarpa is known as the beauty berry, and you can see why. These wonderful purple berries, they're, they're this amazing, stunning colour. Uh, some people find it a bit sickly. I, I actually like it. Depends what your taste is, really, but I love these bright sort of colours. So if you imagine you've got anything white or light greens behind that, they're really going to be stand out against them. These masses of purple ber- cl- buried clusters around the stem as you can see a little bit like a candelabra you've got uh, clusters of these fruits every now and again up the stem we've got the cornus cusa here this is cornus cusa bar chinensis which is a chinese variety of uh, flowering dogwood Uh, and we all know them for their amazing big white flowers or actually flowers with white bracts Uh, but they actually have another season of interest in the autumn when the foliage does turn some lovely tints uh, on some of them but they also have these wonderful fruits which look a little bit like strawberries and they can last a reasonable amount of time on the bush and they're actually edible as well which people don't often realise they taste a little bit like a cross between a pineapple and a banana and although they have large seeds in they're actually worth sucking the flesh off (laughs) as well which is quite nice uh, we've also got a lot of sorbus berries. This is sorbus. It's really close to my heart. I love this one. This is one I've got in my garden. It's sorbus cashmeriana uh, from Kashmir, and has these. Uh, basically, it's a rowan with white berries, and they're massive white berries. But the great thing about this type, this rowan, is that you can grow it in very dry soils. In fact, they appreciate dry soils, and uh, it will grow really well. So, in our droughts, droughty sort of winters that we're having, or summers that we're having, I should say. Uh, you can get away with this, this sorbus quite easily in that. Cass Sanderson Cass Garden Plants, my nursery is at the bottom of the Lake District near Levens Hall. Hydrangea paniculata varieties are really good for interest late in the season. Um, they have very, very shower flower heads, especially if you prune them down in March, just like you'd prune a rose. They have beautiful um, pyro pyramid sort of shaped flowers and uh, they usually start off white or creamy and then as they age they turn to pink and then if you leave them on you get the skeletonized flower heads which are great covered with snow and frost. Um, asters, the small flowered aster varieties, Lateriflorus, um, are great as well. They, they, we've got them in whites, pale pinks, blues, quite tall growing most of them. Some are horizontal branching varieties. Um, don't suffer with mildew they're much more mildew resistant than the uh, old-fashioned Michaelmas daisies much smaller heads so they look much nicer in a garden setting Uh, another thing that's great is um, a tree if you have a windy situation then sometimes aces are a problem Uh, liquid ambers can be substituted instead of aces they have great foliage colour for autumn before the leaves drop and when the leaves drop they look fantastic just scattered around underneath the tree their leaves are not prone to wind damage in the same way in spring or autumn like the aces Hookeras and tiarellas are great for if you've got a, a very, very small garden or no garden at all and you just want containers um, they're ideal for planting for basically all year round interest you get the flowers in spring and you get the fantastic different coloured foliage right through the year unless it's very very bad in winter most of them keep their foliage if you want a really hardy variety hooker obsidian is one of the really dark plummy maroon varieties that we've had it in the nursery uh, in small pots when it's been uh, nine inches of snow and they haven't turned a hair but some of the newer varieties hooker a cherry cola has more sort of 
bronzy coloured foliage, different shades of bronze. Uh, there's others with silvery purple foliage. In fact, there's virtually a colour of hookera to suit any colour scheme. If you've been inspired to go to a gardening event this autumn, why not visit the Glasshouse Gallery at RHS Garden Wisley on November the 1st between 2 and 4pm or the 2nd of November between 11 and 1 and between 2 and 4 to have your fruit identified by our fruit specialist. Bring up to three mature fruits of each cultivar that you would like to be identified, complete with stalks. This service is provided free of charge. Enter the Orient at the RHS Garden Wisley from the 4th to the 10th of November for Japanese Week. Join us for a special week celebrating Japanese horticulture, featuring talks, art displays and craft activities for all the family. Normal garden admission applies. Come to RHS Garden Rosemore Plant Centre and Shop on the 9th of November or 10th of November at 11.30 and 2.30 where members of staff are giving talks introducing you to a range of plants suitable for planting now that will give colour and interest in your garden during autumn and winter. Details of all these events, as always, are on the website at rhs.org.uk forward slash gardens. Well, we're out of time on this edition of the RHS Gardening Podcast. We'll be back in a fortnight. Until then, remember to follow us on Twitter at the underscore RHS and like us on Facebook. For now, from me, Jenny Bowden and the team here at RHS Garden Wisley in Surrey, goodbye. Walking down the path in my garden, and I have a suggestion for you on how you could help with global warming. With a large lawn, I found a simple way of making a big difference. I sold my ride-on mower and bought a top-of-the-range Cress robotic lawnmower. It runs off rechargeable batteries and uses cutting-edge technology to mow and maintain a lawn this size. The petrol mower has gone, and with it, the emissions. I actually don't know why I didn't sell the ride-on sooner. With the Cress robotic lawnmower, the lawn is actually looking better. The tiny grass cuttings fall into the grass roots, helping to fertilize the grass. And the family doesn't have to put up with the noise and fumes from the ride-on. And I've freed up more of my time to spend with them and in the garden. It's an easy step. And you could also be making that change today. Ask for Cress in your local garden machinery dealer. Or visit cress.com. Discover the beauty of an RHS membership all year round. Save 25% off an RHS membership today when paying by direct debit. Prices start at just £55.50. With a membership, you'll gain access to an array of special events at our gardens all year round. Be the first to know about RHS flower shows and get exclusive member-only days plus reduced rate tickets. And you'll have the chance to enhance your gardening know-how with access to free expert garden advice, monthly editions of The Garden magazine, and so much more. Terms and conditions apply.